welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we're doing our bonus episode of My Mister. Woo! Uh, <laughs> what a turnaround show. I'm so grateful we watched it. I wasn't at the beginning, though. You know? It was a hard one to really invest in, um... Because I was so, I mean, it, it's hard when you feel like the world is too sad, because if you too fully invest, you set yourself up for emotional failure, really. But it really decided to, the, the writers were like, okay, well, what if we made like an inspirational sad one? And they did a great job, because that last episode was all inspiration. So heartwarming, so pure, like you think it's going to be pretty dark the whole time and then they turn it around i honestly expected them to still i I mean i guess they sort of did i i don't want to say that it was like the whole episode was only good it's just that it was only inspiration i do want to say that i was devastated in a very unique way um i we talked about it in our finale episode when Jian's grandma died, but it was like the signing part, something we didn't talk about in our finale episode that I did want to touch on since we're doing the bonus. Um, and I can't believe we didn't touch more on like Jian's wrap up. We were just like, yeah, and she's good now and everything's good. And she's got a job in a different town and she started <laughs> a new life. Perfect. Uh, is it the most heartwarming <laughs> thing in the entire world that she started teaching sign language classes? <gasps> That was beautiful. I'm so glad you remembered that. I think, yeah, I just kind of grouped it into, like, her happy ending and didn't really think about it at all after that. Cute. So cute. And she's so good at it. I know. The way she was joking around with her students. Mm -hmm. Amazing. She's so social. (laughs) Aww. Okay, before we get too deep in, I do want to say a little shout out, a little thank you. This one was another listener recommend. Yes. And it was, again, WM Henry Morris at WN Henry Morris on Twitter. And thank you so much. Thank you for forcing us into this one. Because, yeah, you said it was a slow burn. And boy, was it. And I don't think we ever lost faith because it was a listener. Because we knew that you knew us, at least a little bit. So we trusted that we would like it eventually. Yeah, we've come to really trust you guys. There have been times when uh, we were recommended dramas by y'all that we dragged really hard and then loved by the end. Um, and that's how we learned to trust, (laughs) and we hope that that came through this entire, like, all of our recorded episodes, how much we trusted that it was going to get better, and, I mean, how good it was. It was, it wasn't that we thought it was poorly done or bad, it was just, you know, you get so sad about real life that sometimes the drama life being sad also is hard and tiring. And so it it was sometimes difficult, but never a bad experience. And we hope we conveyed that the entire time. Yeah. 
But I read one review on this drama that the reviewer said, I wasn't super interested in something so melodramatic, but by the end of episode one, I was at least intrigued and hooked. I don't even know if I was there. Like, you can go back and listen to our episodes and find out where I was by the end of episode four. But I feel like it took me a long time to really appreciate the nuance and the meaning of this drama. I think me being, I guess, just a low-level operator took me a really long time to appreciate the artistry and the the deep beauty within this show. I got there eventually, but it took a while. It was, it felt like watching an indie film, like it felt like art, right? Like someone's passion project, mm-hmm. but it was just also so well done that it didn't come off as an indie project in the production value. Yeah. No shade at indie, if that's like your genre. I just sometimes don't get it. Sorry, I, again, low level over here, got a smooth brain. (laughs) Some people got the wrinkles, I got the smooth (laughs) brain. (laughs) Or, yeah, it's just something that I think I watch TV and movies for the escapism, and not saying, yeah, still also a smooth brain over here, not saying that makes me deep or anything. I think it may be the opposite, but I know what I like, and I am just a bigger fan of Marvel movies than I am of indie films. That's where I'm at, seeing things, seeing real life depicted on screen often bums me out, and so I avoid it. (laughs) Same. I want something kind of fantastical. I'm kind of the same way with books to some extent. I do like a good nonfiction uh, from time to time. If you've listened to the podcast this long, I'm sure you guys have heard us talk about certain nonfiction authors like Brene Brown, Malcolm Gladwell, Emily and I both. I especially like Malcolm Gladwell. I feel like we've both consumed a lot of his work. But... As far as books go that I've finished, you know it's the sci-fi heavy on the fi, you know? And the fantasy books. (laughs) I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. I love... And his books are dark. It's just they're definitely not quite the real world. So if it's too real, if it's too real and too sad, I struggle. I, I I need something to cheer me up. Yeah, but I I can appreciate having watched this and I, I I really enjoyed it. I'm kind of surprised. I think I walk away from some shows like this that are so well done in their realism. I think someone in their review pointed out that this show isn't formulaic like a lot of K-dramas and it doesn't have the classic K-drama tropes. I think you can kind of forget that it's in the category of a K-drama because you and I often fall into romance and romantic comedy. Those are the ones that we seek out and enjoy the most. So watching a good melodrama feels very different. And this one never hit any tropes. It was all so well written and such a story 
that it was in a class of its own. It was such a journey from beginning to end. And I think that something that was really beautiful about this one is the themes that, I mean, I always love the different themes that a K-drama brings to the table and how it presents those themes. This one had really, really unique ones because it wasn't like the battle between good and evil. And um, I mean, yeah, just kind of like the ones that I, I, I never get sick of a battle between good and evil. That's kind of a thing for me. I'm very into it. But uh, I really liked that this one... So this kind of brings me into like the one thing that I did a little bit of research on for the bonus episode. Um, and it kind of, I think this drama struck home by the end because of this. Because um, this week I was reading an article and I thought, oh no, I've got to talk about this in the, about this in the bonus episode. Um both because it, like, struck me, but it reminded me so much of, like, the final episode of My Mister. And it's, the article is a New York Times article. It's an opinion piece by Olga Kazan, and it is titled, You Can Be a Different Person After the Pandemic. So, as of right now, like, when we're recording this, it is April, and this episode won't come out until, I think, late June. So keep that in mind if something really crazy changes with the pandemic. But um, I really loved the article. But what it really reminded me of is the final, the final moments of this drama where they promised each other that they would work to be happy people. That's what they were going to do for each other to prove how much they had... They appreciated what was done, kind of going back to, to what Gian's grandma said during their last conversation of how beautiful relationships are, but the best way to pay back a relationship or to pay back someone that you're grateful toward is not with money or with grand gestures, but with being happy, because that's probably why they did it in the first place. That's probably why they helped, was to make sure that you felt good and you felt happy. So, like, live a happy life. And as I was uh, reading this article, it actually talks more more about people's decisions to change coming out of this time of, for what a lot of people has been really difficult. Like, the pandemic has changed how we interact with society. People have lost their jobs. People have lost uh, major incomes, homes, safety, health, so much that I, I think could even kind of be thought of in this drama of it, it. it's similar wherein Jian keeps losing her income. She's having a hard time keeping up. I think that, I mean, a case could be made for the whole thing, but it was such an interesting comparison as I read the article of these people coming out of this time of strife uh, and deciding I'm going to live my life differently for whatever reason. And it, it kind of starts off by talking about a woman whose husband died during the pandemic from cancer, not from, not from COVID. Uh, but she was a doctor. She like was really a really diligent worker. But her husband, who died at 29 years old, he was full of life, right? So he, he tried new things all the time. He went out with people. He... He did all of these things that she, after he passed, thought that this is how I want to honor him. I want to, I want to live life more adventurously like him and, and be more 
present in what I'm doing and not just kind of work to make a living as much as she enjoys her work. Anyway, it goes on to talk about, uh, this is kind of the last thing I really want to talk about. I, I feel like I've been talking for a long time. This whole article, I was like, not only does it remind me of things I want to do, but it reminds me so much of my mister that like one paragraph, it's a short paragraph that I'll just read out loud. And it says, modern science, of course, has long since discarded notions of bile and humors. And now it appears that the idea that our personalities are immutable is also not quite true. Researchers have found that adults can change the five traits that make up personality. Extroversion, openness to experience, emotional stability, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. Within just a few months, much as in Dr. Steffel's case, the traits are connected, so changing one might lead to changes in another. And yeah, it just it reminded me of, of the choice to change themselves and how they were living their lives now that they learned so much from the situation they went through together and how they they were going to choose to be happy and live their lives but i mean being happy isn't a matter of in this case if like you want to change your life and how you're living it song hoon had it more right when he said i'm going to start living my life differently i'm going to change my actions and how i think about money and how i think about all of these things and i'm going to live a better life, not just a happier life, but a, a better one. And so he changed, I mean, just within the drama, you could make a case that he changed uh, his conscientiousness by like paying for the funeral for Gian's grandma, but changing that one thing changes other aspects of, of your personality, which can change your life for the better. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, that really reminds me of the book, Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Want to Come. And it is this woman's experience of being an introvert and finding that she was pretty unhappy with how closed off she had become and her year of saying yes and trying to get out there and forcing herself into uncomfortable situations like doing comedy shows and traveling solo and how she has changed her expectations for what she wants from her life and what she expects from herself in getting those things. And as you were talking, I could see that with Gian. Like you said, it wasn't her just telling herself, be happy now. It was her forcing herself when uh, Dong Hoon asked her to. It was her first forcing herself to say yes to going to the company dinners and saying yes to being around people. And those small steps took her in the direction of being a more open person and eventually led to her accepting opportunities and accepting kindnesses from people without second-guessing them. It was a very slow journey of changing little things at a time. Like you said, it wasn't flip the switch. I'm going to go from being sad to being happy because that would be so unrealistic and frustrating to watch. And I love that this show really honored that, honored the, the realism of how hard it is to get out of your shell and accept 
that other people aren't entirely working against you because it would have been really hard to see her at the end of the show have this amazing job and this amazing lifestyle with friends and workmates if she had never had any of those experiences at her previous office or in her neighborhood and had just jumped from A to D. Yeah. Yeah, it, that was the whole journey. It was like, yeah, her her changing her decisions and then, yeah, changing her life ultimately. And wow, what a good theme. What a good show and how, like you said, the way they <laughs> illustrated all of her choices. Amazing. It may it's it is inspiring. I feel like I can change my life now, which I probably need to. <laughs> but I like that we have these really contrasting stories as well of Dong Hoon and Jian being good people, just consistently making small choices. Obviously Jian had a had a lot more to work through and didn't always make the best choices, but for the most part, throughout the show, we see these two people trying their best to be good, and especially be good to each other, and by the end, they have pretty amazing lives and pretty amazing outcomes. But I love that they also had the two other brothers, Songhoon and Kihoon, who they consistently trashed on being janitors, but consistently brought back the storyline of or brought back the perspective at least of this is the best life that these two could have at least right now and maybe they won't be janitors forever maybe they won't be cleaning forever but that's not a shameful career because look at them this is the best thing that they could do they hated just being at home and leeching off their mom they lost so much of themselves and their pride, and Song Hoon lost a lot of his family. Like, his wife had separated from him, and his daughter had married and lived, it was starting her own life, and their ending wasn't them getting a new company and being CEOs and not being cleaners anymore. It was them being cleaners and appreciating what that was giving them and kind of making small choices to be better people within those lives and I liked I liked that contrast because obviously it's easy to see Dong Hoon go from being a manager to being the CEO of his own company and be like if you're good you can be the CEO too but it's like that's not the show's takeaway because you also have his brothers who are so happy at the end of the show and they are in a, just a slightly better position than the beginning of the show, career-wise at least. Yeah, it's they. Yeah, they kind of ran the whole spectrum of self-betterment, I guess, and it was magical. It was so good. <laughs> so good. Um, should we get to some some uh, name drops? I went through the cast list. And obviously, at this point, I think we are at the place where we recognize a lot of people from a lot of things. So it wasn't as exciting to just go through the cast list and be like, 
name all the things that we know people from. I think I wrote down three that I was kind of blown away by, and I wanted to run them by you. Okay, I'm really excited. Okay, I guess four. One was kind of a kind of a bonus. The least exciting one was that two of the Ajishis from Junghui's bar, the kind of ringleader who was always drunkenly talking to Jian and apologizing for feeling like he was harassing her, and then the taller guy with the beautiful gray hair. Those two were apparently in Mr. Sunshine. What? Okay. I know. But only one episode each. They had very small roles. I'm trying to think. I feel like I more recognized (laughs) the, like, ringleader. Mm Mm-hmm. He was in episode 24 as, like, Kuroda, I think his name was. He was a Japanese character. Oh, interesting. I didn't recognize him. That's yeah. why those two were at the bottom of the list, because I was like, oh, we just watched that show, we loved it, but also they were very, very minor characters. Only the most, <laughs> yeah. uh, the most, well, I don't know, versed in the facial recognition department could pull that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, who was um, who was the other guy? The, the taller, gray-haired man? Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't recognize his name. It said he was, like, the uncle of somebody. One of Gian's million uncles. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's why this was the least amusing fun fact. We're, we're gonna build it up. We're going from least amusing to most amusing. Started at the bottom. Started at the bottom. Here we go. Next <laughs> one up. Uh, the man who played Park Gi-hoon, the youngest of the three brothers... His name is Song Se Byok. He was only listed as being in one other drama, which is Possessed, the drama that you and I have lined up for our fall drama. Oh, we were going to do that one, yes. We're thinking it's going to land, we don't know for sure, but we have high hopes it'll land somewhere around Halloween. Um, yeah, but that's crazy that he's in one other drama and it's one we're watching this year as well. Right. What are the chances? It's like he's following us. Do you think, do you think he listens to the podcast? You can be on our podcast if you want, Song of Big Duck. (laughs) Come on. We need you. (laughs) I mean, I'd appreciate it. Me too. But also, I love this theme that we kind of follow actors from show to show. There's, like, at least one actor from each show to the next that we see here for it. I know, I love that, that we just, yeah. We we always have a friendly face from the last drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I have two more, like, spot the faces, and I'd say they're equally exciting. We'll go with Jisuk, the little boy who played the son of... Hyun Hui and Dong Hoon. His name is Jung Ji Hoon, and he was in Goblin Nuh-uh. as the little baby Dakwa. <gasps> yeah. That was him? That was him! Oh my god. <laughs> He's got his so big. No! <laughs> they grow up too fast. 
<laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't it's ready so for cute, him right? to get so big. He's the cutest little boy. Uh-huh. Oh, he's killing it. I appreciate a child actor who gets gigantic named dramas like this. You know he's going to be like that Love it. actor it. that plays the younger version of everyone, like when he's a teenager. He'll absolutely be uh-huh. the actor that plays the younger. I I can picture that actor's face actually in my head right now because there's one right now that I'm sure we've talked about him. He plays the younger version of every male uh-huh. lead in every, and then he's like <laughs> occasionally just like a side character, but usually he's the younger version of every male lead in every drama. And I'm sure eventually when he's fulfilled that role, he'll rise up to be a male lead. And then this young man, this little boy, will go ahead and fill in the role of being the younger version of him. And it will be beautiful. (laughs) A full circle, if you will. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. It's so eerie to imagine that that could be like five years from now where as children that seems like a really long time the difference between a 12 year old and a 17 year old is infinite but that you and I will only be five years older as adults is like we'll probably still be doing this same old podcast and watching these actors just grow before our eyes I'll be a freaking Ajuma <laughs> during this podcast. <laughs> now I'll be a Nuna. I'm already a Nuna, but I will also be a Nuna. <laughs> uh huh. And that's so weird. <laughs> Zero difference. When that kid oh. is playing the younger version of everyone, I am going to be in my 30s. Basically dead. Basically dead. This is it. <laughs> Our listeners are going to love this because we've already gotten called out once for, <laughs> for making people <laughs> above the age of like 30 sound ancient. We really don't mean it. I don't mean it at all. <laughs> I just think it's really funny to make the joke. Because mm-hmm. we only have 10 years to make it. So we have to make the joke as much as possible that anyone above our age is old. If they're, if they're in that age, we can just tell them how it's any day now. Like when a sim is elderly and you're like, I don't know, any day, any day now, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> this is all our listeners are going to unsubscribe. <laughs> you guys are mean. Your jokes are dumb. <laughs> you're ageist. Are you kidding Not me? fair. <laughs> <laughs> We're just kidding, guys. It's just a fun joke. I think... K-dramas have helped a lot with these uh, misconceptions, where obviously there is still a part of me that's like, as a 25-year-old, I think 50 is old, you know? And I love that K-dramas up in here are like, um, every female lead is like between 30 and 50 when she falls in love. That's th- That's our age group now. You either have the high schoolers or... The fully grown adult woman. And that doesn't happen at 22, guys. And I'm I like, love I it. love that. I love that for us. Yeah, it makes me really happy as someone who, like, uh, I didn't like dating throughout most of my early 20s. Like, to the point that I I chose to just 
not for so long. Um, and like, I was perfectly happy doing that. But then, yeah, I guess going into dramas helped reaffirm that as a good decision, wherein it was the first time, because Western media is all about keeping it young, keeping it in the 20s. K-dramas are all about being like, okay, well, uh, she's like 35 years old and uh, maybe not even ready to settle down yet. But, oh, oh but she fell in love. But they're going to wait to have kids. And that's also fine. Like, amazing. It's It just... That's so cool. It just kind of... Korean dramas help me in my internalized, broken mind uh, really drive home the idea that, like, there is no set life path and everyone can do everything in their own time. And I'm like, oh, thanks, K-dramas. Right? Was that your intention? Because you're nailing it. <laughs> that is such a good message that everyone's living their lives on their own timeline and they should live their own dreams. And I love that. Every drama has reinforced that. Okay, one more one more name that face and then just a random fun fact to round it out. Okay. The last face was Section Chief Song who was okay, the three guys that worked at the office under manager Dong Hoon. Mm-hmm. He was, like, the oldest one, the okay. most mature, the Shoot. right-hand man. His name is So Hyun Woo. Mm-hmm. I've seen his face. He's also one Did that I recognize. Yeah, I said, sh- sorry, I said shoot because I was like, where is he from? I, like, my brain immediately went to being like, you should already know this, Raquel. <laughs> I'm gonna say... I feel like looking at the pictures of him side by side, it seems like he lost weight, at least in his face. He got, like, chiseled face in Flower of Evil, where he was the second male lead, Kim Moo Jin. Sorry, there's been a long pause of silence where I'm trying... (laughs) I'm trying to piece the puzzles together. <laughs> put I'm trying to put the I'm trying to take the puzzle pieces. I'm trying to take these pieces of puzzle and put them together. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did we how did I Is he the one that dated the sisters? Yeah. He's like one of the main characters of Flower of Evil. I did not recognize him at all. I feel so disrespectful. <laughs> But, like, I don't know. Look at the pictures side by side. He looks like a different person. I have clicked on his name, but my my terrible internet will take eight years to pull it up. Oh my gosh, he looks oh so no. different. What? Oh, he's ten years older than me. Just so you know. Marry him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. I'll think I'll, about I'll, it. I'll get back to you. <laughs> oh, it's kind of weird that Flower of Evil was filmed after My Mister. Why? I thought My Mister was a few years old. Yeah. When did My Mister come out? 2018? Mm-hmm. I, I think I forgot that Flower of Evil came out in 2020, though. I thought it was a few years old as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew we we were up up to date on that one. <laughs> 2020 has just felt like six years to me, so... 
That's fair. Mm, crazy. Okay, that was the probably most groundbreaking who's that man from the cast list. Can I hit you with the craziest fact that I found of all the funnest facts? Hit me. I'm ready. I hope you haven't found this because it was in an interview. And, you know, there were so many interviews to go through that I assume you haven't read this one. I do. It made me feel a little bit guilty about how little research we had done for Mystic Pop-Up Bar, but I realized that probably they didn't do very many interviews after Mystic Pop-Up Bar because it premiered during the pandemic. So I didn't think of that. Not on us. Right? I didn't think of that until I googled my Mr. Interview and like a million results popped up and I was like, oh, I feel like this is usually what comes up after you google that, but Mystic Pop-Up Bar was like, we don't have any of that. They didn't do, like, any interviews. This makes more sense. Pandemic. Yeah. In a panty, you can't okay. do interviews. You can't do interviews. You can't do a bunch of press tours for your new show. Okay. That just was guilt that I've had on my mind. I did a lot better with my mister. I found interviews. I found a fun fact. So, Lee Kuang Il, the Lone Shark, who I was a little bit in love with, Wanted to support with my whole heart. His name is John Ki Young. He, a few years before this drama came out, was the love interest in one of IU's music videos <gasps> called Friday. What? Yeah. They had worked together before. She even said in the interview that she had to, like, avoid him on set because she had to stay in the mindset of her character. I was like, oh. That's so cute. That is so cute. I also think it's kind of funny that IU is such a method actor that she was like, no, I can't, like, if I communicate with you, we'll reminisce about that time, and I'll enjoy chatting with you again, and I'll be transported to a different place and a different character, and I've got to, I've got to stay in the method. You need to s 10 feet away and also look like a skeezy loan shark, please. <laughs> Uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> she did say when they did their scenes together, he was always really caring and protective, especially because he was often beating her. So he was like, I want you to feel safe in these scenes that are going to be really intense, so we're going to work really closely together. But yeah, I love that she was like, I can't be near you outside of these scenes because you are a good boy. And I have to really hate you for my character. I'm having a crisis. That's so cute. Because I don't ever, like, ship people in <laughs> real life. But, you know, if they ever had the inclination, they're busy people. But if they ever had the in inclination, this is the <laughs> most wholesome. So, like, it would be fine. <laughs> I would ship it if they wanted it together. Okay? <laughs> if each of them was consenting and excited about a relationship... I would be on board, 100%. Yeah, but if they've got other stuff going on, like, I get it. You're real people with real lives who love who you love, you know. But just in case, I just want you to know. Raquel, <laughs> who lives in America, in a small town, gives her consent for that relationship. <laughs> See a love approval. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, yeah. 
What a cute little couple. You should go watch the Friday music video. It's adorable. Super wholesome will completely forget that he was a skeezy loan shark. Uh-huh. Easy to do. Look at his beautiful face. I did it the whole <laughs> drama. One more thing that wasn't like a fun fact or anything. I just keep dwelling on this scene that happened within the first few episodes where the three brothers are sitting in a bar and they're trying to convince or they're trying to come up with ideas for Kihun's new movie. They like write another movie. And at some point they say, write one about an Ajashi like us, like just a middle-aged guy. And they say nobody would watch a show about that or a movie about that. Those aren't like popular male leads. That's not the age that is popular for a male lead. And I think I didn't appreciate how on the nose that was at the time. And by the end of the show, I was like, Good for you guys for overcoming that barrier and being like, we're going to do it. We're genuinely, we know that this is not something that people have asked for. We know that this isn't the popular age group for male leads. But we will have not one, but like 30 male leads in this (laughs) show who are Ajushis. And they did it so successfully. I'm so proud of them, which is not something that I'm allowed to feel because I had no part in this process, but I'm just so happy for them. Yeah, and, like, to kind of slip that in is amazing, too, because I think that went over my head as well. Like, I just didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, yeah, if it was, like, a romance, probably not, but, like, if he wanted to do, like, a gritty crime show or something, maybe. I didn't even think about how I was watching a show that was not either of those things that's one of the most popular dramas, uh, and it, yeah, it was starring all of these male leads that were Ajushis. Wow, I guess I struggle with saying that word. I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also, like, thinking about the female cast, I can't think of too many people that were, I think she was by far and away, like, the youngest consistent character because most of the female cast was Mm -hmm. age like 40 or above yeah and that was i think some controversy when they first uh, pitched the idea of the show to the general public was people being like putting them in a relationship or at least this relationship that they're going to be in is so much deeper than just making out or being together romantically it is just trust us we're gonna do it okay and i really appreciate that they nailed it i mean we said going into it to consenting adults we are definitely not as opposed to two people with a 20 year age gap but it was a little off-putting and i really appreciate the direction they took their relationship, that it wasn't purely romantic. Yeah, I'm the same way. Especially, I sometimes feel like other people don't value non-romantic friendships enough, right? That you don't see as many stories written about that, especially between a man and a woman, because people are just so preoccupied. And, like, 
pot kettle black here, right? Because you and I were like, <laughs> we love romance. And I do. Like, I absolutely do. <laughs> but I also... I'm so personally enamored by the idea of non-romantic love and non-romantic meaningful relationships between men and women as well, because for a really long time, kind of that thing where like I didn't like dating, I was single and it sucked. People would be weird about like friendships. I don't know, like growing up, even your husband and I, people would weird about us being friends to the extent that we lied and just started telling people we were related so that people would get off our backs about it. <laughs> and that was, yeah, like that was how we got by and justified our relationship, which we shouldn't have had to because like it's one of the most meaningful friendships in my life. So yeah, I, I love that they decided to take it in a non-romantic direction that yeah we got to trust it and like you said like if they had taken it in a romantic direction they could have done so still respectfully i think based on consent to adults just the situation that they were both in i think it was doable but it was done so much better without yeah and that's also something that was different about this show as part of the the storylines and the writing style that we've mentioned a few a few times and the male leads a lot of this show was just so unique and so well done it all came together really really well and i i think i get it i think i get why people appreciate this show it's the most unique piece of writing I've ever seen in a K-drama. It was, and I loved all of it, and I'm so grateful we watched it. I, I can't thank you guys enough for recommending it. I know we've already done that part, but thank you again for recommending it. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any awards to give? Oh boy, you... Howdy, you know I just super forgot to even think about it. Right? Mm, okay. Hear me out. This might not be anything, but Bust Out Girl Award to the man sitting at the table talking to Dong Hoon, <laughs> where Dong Hoon was so animatedly communicating with this man when he hasn't been able to do that with anyone really that we see throughout the drama. I think the implication there is that he's grown enough that he can even have an active, cheerful, deep conversation about what his son is up to in America with this guy who we obviously haven't seen, so he's a new friend or a new employee or a client or someone, but the, like that's how far Dong Hoon has grown, right? So I nominate that guy for okay. being... The kind of person that Dong Hoon can communicate with and for, you know, just being open to that. So that's the guy in episode 16? That yes. Jian finally sees Dong Hoon again? And, okay, got you. I hear you. Yeah, not maybe not like the best the best, but like, there you go. <laughs> I, I'm good with that. Did you say you had two? Mm -mm. Nope, just the one. Okay, just the one. Just that guy. Mm -hmm. Well, dang, I'm trying to think of another, but I feel like this show did such a good job of being like, every character that you see has a story and a name. So you're yeah. welcome for that. <gasps> ooh, 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 I've got, I've got one. 
Okay, okay. Okay. He doesn't have to be the winner or anything. So there's a scene towards the beginning of the show where Dong Hoon is on the subway and sneaks up on Jian and is like, get off at the next stop. And she's like, no. And he's like, you're getting off at the next stop. And she's like, leave me alone. And it gives you such bad anxiety because you know Dong Hoon is a good man, but he's so bad in high-pressure situations. He's just acting like a sketch master. <laughs> and there's a guy that stands up when Dong Hoon starts like trying to force Jian off the train. A guy stands up and shoves Dong Hoon off the train. And I know that violence is not the answer, but when you've got this, like, six-foot-whatever guy trying to force a very small female into an uncomfortable situation, maybe just shoving him off the train, he's not going to get that badly hurt, and hoping the doors close right after him might be your best option when you're just regular average Joe dude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate that average Joe dude for bus stop girl. Okay, okay. I actually, I think he fits way better than my nomination. So he might take the cake, but I thought of one other person while Ooh, okay. we were talking about him. I guess there were a lot more bus stop girls than we thought. Uh, also a man. He hits Gian with his car and calls the cops on himself or the ambulance for her, but she's running away. But either way, he straight up stops, apologizes, tries to make sure she's okay. She runs away, and he's still like, let me get my phone and report this accident that I could just get away scot-free with. She just took off, clearly fine enough to run. So, but instead, he did the right thing. That's fair. It's a moment of like, this is almost a dream come true. I created a terrible situation. And the victim is the one running away. This is very good for me. And instead of, yeah, walking away from it and being like, I have won. I don't know (laughs) what's happening, but I think I just walk. I think I just won. He's like, no, this is a bad thing. And I don't know what's happening. And my instinct is to call for help. That's a good boy. Yep. Now that we have the contenders, I think I'm still voting for the guy you nominated, but... Uh. Okay. I think I'd like to stick with him, too. I think it's... For me, it's the difference of, like, obviously we established that third guy didn't necessarily have to do anything in his situation, but, man, that second guy, just seeing a young, small lady in trouble and not standing by and just being like, hey man, it's the subway, weird things happen. (laughs) Just standing up and helping her. I love that. I want more of that in society. He's the one. He's the guy. Mm. So that's our bus stop girl. He is... Bus stop girl is train (laughs) station guy. (laughs) Don't shove people. But also, if you have to, you can shove people a little bit. (laughs) Play on K. Play on K. (laughs) (laughs) Life advice brought to you by. (laughs) 
Um, I don't think there's any happy award winners, which is always for the best. I think the only person who came remotely close to the happy award was Seo Chunde, but he isn't a dog, so he's a person who works as a janitor. Who is that? He was the janitor who also took <gasps> oh. care of uh, Jian when she was a little girl, and when she was hurt after she got hit That's by a That's better than mine. Okay. All I could think of was the grandma. Mm. I think she is a queen and a soldier and incredible for just surviving the life that she had been dealt as an elderly woman and trying her best in terrible, terrible situations. But it wasn't necessarily within her power to help Jian. I think she was... An incredible emotional cent- uh, center for emotional support for Jian, but yeah, I think the janitor father figure was a lot more of a actively helping somebody figure. Yeah, we're close. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I feel bad even talking about it and then being like, "But he doesn't win." Sorry, he's great, but he Nobody doesn't wins. <laughs> I think we all know he doesn't win. <laughs> I always feel guilty as if the actors like listen to our podcast for their <laughs> awards. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I'm pretentious. We nominate this man for the award, and he doesn't win. We've decided no winners. <laughs> it's not Sorry. that he lost. It's that... We nominated him and then decided there was no winner. <laughs> so, that's on us. Can Please you don't imagine the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> we actually think there is no best male actor this year. There's a lot of good ones, but is anyone really, like, the best? Could you have no. improved, all of you? Yeah, I don't think that you get to be the best. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think next year. You could try again. (laughs) We had good movies, but did we have a best movie? (laughs) I don't think so. That's why we can't be in charge of anything. (laughs) Oh, man. We were supposed to save time at the end for an About Us section. Yikes. We'll check back in with a week after... Six months have passed and I have a baby and I know whether I've gotten into college or not. Yeah, you can update us on all of the things when you get back from maternity leave and you can tell us about college and uh, just all kind. You'll have so many updates by the time we come back. Uh-huh. I- It'll be one week. For you guys, and an infinite amount of time for me. (laughs) Emily will come back a demigod. What would you rate this show? Oh, um... I feel not allowed to give it less than ten, right? Because it was so perfectly done. But in my heart, as a preference thing, like Raquel... Making a preference. My dog is freaking licking my foot while I'm trying to talk. Leave it. Go to bed. (laughs) Um, I think that for me and how I felt watching this drama as a whole, 
and not just like, I don't know. How I felt from time to time puts it at like a 9.5. Is that awful? No, I was going to give it a 9. I'm in the same boat as you where it feels like it deserves a 10, but I just didn't connect with it for a lot of the drama, and I want to honor my own feelings and say, that's fine. This is not the rating. This is my rating. Yeah. And if I didn't connect with it, then I can give it a nine. How we usually do these ratings, that puts it like a 9.25 for the play on K rating. Is that too getting too minute? Is that exhausting? Are we the worst? (laughs) It might be. I guess it's still our rating, so it can be the worst rating, but (laughs) I think that's fine. A 9.25 from Play on K for my mister, which is actually an excellent rating. We've gotten pretty stingy with our ratings over the years. Yeah, I think we've gotten a lot better rating things down. Yeah, like actually giving our opinion instead of uh, giving everyone a 10 because it makes us sad to displease literally anyone about anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the past it was really easy to say, like, objectively... My Mister was a brilliant show. It obser- it deserves a 10. But as of nowadays, like I said, we are the only ones who can give our personal ratings. So why would we not do that? Why are we trying to rate it objectively? Yeah. We're going to rate things entirely subjectively. That's why you're here, right? Hopefully. I hope. Do you like our opinion? Do you still be here. If you like our opinion and you want us to continue to give it, please let us know. Uh, We'll probably keep going anyway, but like, just let us know because we love to talk to you at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, we're at playonk. And on Instagram, we're at playonkpodcast. Yeah, we have our website where you can comment on episodes, sign up for newsletters, find the links to our affiliates, Blueberry Podcasting and NordVPN. Um, And yeah, just check stuff out. You can find links to our Patreon as well. And that is all over at playonk.com. Did you say that already? If you want to really... No, no, no. You nailed it. (laughs) You're okay. Um, If you want to really shove it in our faces how you're feeling, the best way to do that is to leave a rating and a review on places like Stitcher and iTunes, and maybe also Blueberry and Spotify. Just anywhere you listen, if you can leave a rating and review, we'd much, much appreciate it. Yeah, um, what haven't we- I'm so sorry, what haven't we done? (laughs) Just Patreon. Patreon! Go to our, uh... Our our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash playonk. What a mess, Raquel. Um, you can support us directly. Why would you? But if you want to, um, you can find us there and we do, do, we do bonuses. We provide bonuses for our subscribers. So check out our tiers. Yeah. Join us next week for the time jump of the century. <laughs> Uh, dang. That'll be a wild ride. Time travel with us next week and oh my God. watch the show that we will announce we are doing as the date grows closer. 
because I've already forgotten. We've got it written down somewhere. I think we're watching 18 again. Okay, if we can access it. I think. If we can access it. Also, sorry if I need more maternity leave. (laughs) Um, I will try and be back next week. But I probably should not make promises that I have no idea if I can live up to. Yeah, that's true. Um, You might see us next week. It might be a a week or two. Um, I, Raquel, might figure out something in the interim to do if Emily does need more time that will keep you coming back. And if I can figure that out single-handedly with this smooth brain, then we should all be here to celebrate. Thank you, as always, for listening to our podcast. We will see you again soon. Yeah. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.